welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Hey, Paul. How you doing today? Uh, doing well. Fantastic. Uh, happy New Year. Happy Holidays. It's been a while since we connected. A um, couple of things going on on my side. A um, couple more colleges came through. Uh, with acceptance. So my son's mm-hmm. um, portfolio of colleges to look at is uh, and review and, and think about is growing, which I don't know if is good or bad. Um, sometimes I wish uh, in my own life, choices were narrowed, right? Sometimes, you know, down to one, right? And it makes it much easier. But when you have kind of a, a basket of choices, it kind of makes it challenging. And then one other thing, one quick pet pet peeve. I don't know. Are you familiar with this nextdoor.com? So I joined it. I'm, I, you may be on it as well. Um, just have you noticed? I, I don't know if you go into it a lot. I, I go into it occasionally. Something will grab my attention from the emails that they send. Man, there's a lot of cranky people on there. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> a, uh, instead of complaining about people in the middle of the street or or something or in the street corner, they complain on that. Yes. Oh yeah, and it's dangerous because I, I'll see threads of a business that. I know is like awesome, like been using them for years or whatever, right? And someone will just rip them apart for kind of spite. <laughs> it's really yeah. interesting. I don't want to go too much on a tangent here, Paul. Um, you know, I just, it's just, I wanted to kind of get that out. That was been annoying me. And, and I want to kind of just voice my opinion. If anyone has an anti-opinion to that, please post it on the Facebook page. If you're a next door lover, I apologize, but that's my personal take on it. So yeah, I, um, I've, I've seen something similar, um, but it actually does tie to financial dads, quite honestly, because when you think about it, most of the places getting ripped are small local businesses and shops. And that's what keeps your community a community. And, and if someone, if our listeners are looking at doing a small business or starting something, you, you need to watch out for these things. So it, it is um, quite infuriating uh, yeah. seeing some of the things that people are writing. And, and uh, the one thread I was looking at was sort of threads where people were caught lying about their post. Like, mm. I went there three months ago, did this. And the guy's like, we only opened a month ago. <laughs> right or you know one um one orthodontist was being beat up by a, by someone he did some homework and some sleuthing and found out it was another orthodontist wow. and he's like look man i, I forgive you i but you can't go doing that <laughs> like it's just that, crazy that, that's amazing yeah, yeah. I, I mean so barry beware it's a good you're right it is a good tie and and um i think it's just something to watch out for um so i think it's 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 interesting, but I had a I had to vent that out. But Paul, how was your holidays? Yeah, it, it was good. You know, um, both boys were home for for the holidays and and everything, and then uh, you know, little COVID scares and whatnot. But it, it all worked out. Our younger son he applied to grad schools, so that's a interesting thing that we have going on. Your son's applying to colleges. My younger one's applying to grad schools. Uh, specifically uh, a master's program and a different school's PhD program. And it's just interesting. So he's only applying to two. Only oh, applying okay. to two. So he's going to narrow he's, it down. And then he said, the if I can't to work, if those right. don't work out. Yeah. He said, look, if I don't get into my top two choices, forget it. 
I'll go get a job. Oh, very cool. So very cool. Kind of. That is awesome. That is awesome. Cool. Well, today's topic is New York New Year's financial planning. Um, we'll talk about everything from resolutions to checklists and everything in between. Uh, but first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. So, Paul, the first news story that uh, I, I found was from CNET, uh, seven best personal finance books that make great last minute holiday gifts. Um, I, I know we're over the holidays, <laughs> but I still thought it was a great article. Uh, admittedly, the article, um, uh, even though I saw it in the past week, it was from December 16th. So it was before the holiday. So, um, um, but I was reading through it. I thought it was interesting. Two of the books I have read, uh, The Millionaire Next Door. Um, which and the rich dad poor dad, uh, so I'm very familiar with those two books. The other books in here, um, when she makes more, ten rules for breadwinning women by Farnoosh Tarabi, and I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi, and the Boggleheads Guide to Investing uh, by a various number of authors. Um, they were, you know, highlighting these different books. Of course, the Amazon links to get to the book to get it in your favorite format, uh, audio, Kindle. Um, you know, PDF, whatever, you know, even, and I think they even make them still in a uh, uh, physical paper, right, Paul? I think. I'm sure they do. And everything is always a link to Amazon somewhere. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So read through the article. Once again, um, my only opinion here is, you know, um, I love the Tom, St- anything Tom Stanley or, or Rob Kiyosaki, uh, I'm a big fan of. I've read them a number of years ago. Um, and, and just always a good, healthy read. I think in general, maybe my, my takeaway from this story is um, reading is definitely something that I think is fundamental when it comes to personal finance, um, whether it's reading articles, reading books, uh, reading your portfolios, reading your accounts, reading your budgets, um, staying in tuned, reading through everything and getting some of these extra tips from some of these experts is always great. I noticed that when I read these books, I usually take away a theme, right? Uh, one or two things that will resonate with me and stick with me. So that that's what I usually find when reading, uh, especially uh, any of these authors. Paul, what was your take on the story? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the one that sort of resonates with me the most is uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, uh, and I like actually in the summary they have from amazon.com, right? Is, um, on, let, me, let me just reword it here. Um, it, it's really about making smart decisions about your money and planning it out. And, and again, that's what we're all about is understanding what's happening and making the best choice you can with, uh, with your options. So and I think we're going to get into some of that in a little bit. Uh, with some of the New Year's resolutions here and things as well. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And the second story uh, that we selected uh, was from Bankrate, 12 Personal Finance Influencers to Follow in 2022. Um, This was an interesting one, Paul, because the one thing that resonated with me is we need to step up our TikTok game or our Instagram game or (laughs) our YouTube game. Um, You know, I I think it's one of those things where – you know, I read through the list, um, and and a lot of it is, is short snippets. I think that's where um, people are coming in. Um, so, you know, we have our longer podcast, but I think the key here is with these um, with these with these influencers um, 
is that they have the ability to to kind of put together a short video, whether it's via Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or YouTube, something that's quick, something that's small, something that's less than maybe even a minute. Uh, so maybe that's something we'll explore, Paul. Uh, stay tuned, everybody. We'll see if we could come up with something. I don't know if you're going to see Paul and I dancing on TikTok, but we might figure out some ways to uh, to to help and maybe give you more bite sight bite-sized consumable financial tips as we go along. Um, but when I was reading through, um, they're all kind of resonating the same the same way. People are really focused on helping people building generational wealth, helping people with investing. Um, and, and that's kind of the theme of all these different pieces. One of them is actually Rich by Intention, which is a um, uh, talking about uh, marriage and money. Um, another one is is really focused on uh, investing and budgeting, saving for retirement planning. So there's a lot out there. If you explore these different social media outlets, uh, you may find something that fits for you beyond financial dads. So we'll post that story to the website. Paul, what was your take on this story? I, I thought it was pretty neat. And I I accept the challenge for our New Year's resolution that you just made for us, Paul, to take some of our components and break them into digestible format, uh, shorter format. It, it, it's common. Uh, Instagram videos for it to be seen in full has to be under 60 seconds or 60 seconds. So um that's good. It'll help us be concise with what we're saying. And then the the one I think I have seen, I don't think I follow it, but I've seen it a number of times, is Dasha Kennedy, the uh, broke black girl. I, I've seen that a few times, definitely. So I think we could, I think we could definitely do this, Paul. Okay, let's take that as a to do list. Maybe that'll be our finan- our New Year's financial resolution, right? Maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe that's what we'll take away and maybe try to go down that that path. Um, cool. Very cool. Well, I guess we'll just jump into the topics, right? So that's really around New Year's financial planning. Um, I'll just kind of talk about my current situation, what my typical, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, rituals are when it comes to the uh, New Year. I'm reminded of the Simpsons character, uh, Ned Flanders. Uh, there's a, a New Year's episode where, you know, the clo- you know it's like 6 a.m., um, he wakes up out of bed and before 8 a.m. he's at the post office and he's filed his 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 tax returns. Right. Because that's how he wants. The, that's how efficient he is. Right. So sounds um, like not you. Quite, no, no, not, not quite that bad. Uh, but I do have a ritual where I start to prep my tax paperwork. I think I've talked about this in the past. I will. Uh, I have a folder yep. where all tax paperwork goes, no matter what it is, in the same spot in the home office throughout the year, uh, pull that down. And then I start looking online and looking to get W-2s and stuff. I won't get all that stuff just yet. That usually comes later in January, but I start to group stuff together, go through the paperwork, organize it, um, get it ready. Um, I'll look at my 529 plans um, and and start to load up um, the yearly uh, goal that me and my wife have for, for 529s. Um, I usually get a really big portion of my property tax bill in January, which is always frustrating. I, I know a lot of homeowners in, in my town. They're always very frustrated because you just finished December with all this big expense with family and holidays and stuff like that. And then the biggest tax bill of the year comes due the end of January, 
right? Um, which, which is crazy, but that's just the way life is, right? Um, it's, it's the subtle art of not giving an F, which, you know, there's always going to be problems. You got to work through these problems. I've planned accordingly. I've learned my lesson over the years. I think the first year I moved into the house and I got that tax bill, I'm like, ah, and then after, ever since then, I've always been prepared for that bill, but I know, I always know it's coming. Um, Interesting. Another thing. So, sorry, I had to jump in there, as you know, and as you know, I now have a place in another state and their annual tax bill is due November 1st, November 1st. So you you get to pay your taxes before the holidays. So I guess that could be good, too. I don't know. Is there an optimal time to get a tax bill now that I think about it? I'm not quite sure. I Actually, thought June. June pumped in, pump, popped into my head, mid-year kind of thing. But see, I, I, I can see November. November makes sense because you, you should have saved throughout the year to be ready for that tax bill. So I sort of get that one. Yeah, plus also if you've been putting away for the 401k, maybe you're you're getting closer to maxing out or maxed out. Maybe not, but yeah, it gives you the whole year to prep and save for instead of January 1st. Here you go. It's due. I don't yeah, know. I, 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 I kind of like it. I could see that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then the last piece I used to do more, I don't have to do now as much. It's been kind of quiet, especially with COVID, is planning the summer camps. Um, When my kids were smaller, pre-COVID, summer camp signups used to have to take place first two, three weeks of January. Otherwise, you'd fill up. Like, it was crazy. It was like a nightmare. Um, So you would have to get all your ducks in the row and all those payments and deposits had to be at the ready to to, to land them and to book your favorite camps and favorite spots. So um, in a good way, in a bad way, that, that part is almost over. Um, my younger one probably will look at camp this summer. It's not as urgent because, quite frankly, we just don't know what it's going to hold, right? And 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 in terms of, of COVID, and I won't go off on any kind of rant here. It's just, it's the unknown. Right. So we, we've been hesitant to book anything um, too far in advance when it comes to summer camps or family trips and stuff, just just because of everything going on. And, and some people will say that that's not a good way to kind of handle it. But I, I think for me, it, it's worked out OK. You know, it, it is what it is. And we'll kind of work through. Paul, what is your current situation when it comes to your New Year's? What are some of your rituals that you follow? So I um I do a number of things, believe it or not. I, I didn't think I had any or had any methodology to any of this, Paul, to be honest. But since we started doing the podcast, I do have patterns. Um, but I don't make a list. I will tell you that. I do not make the list. I'm, I'm still stuck on that. Um, I don't like the list, but I know what I have to do. So I do a few things. I go over all of our... 401ks, all of our retirement plans, IRAs, whatever we have, and I do a total net worth spreadsheet. And it's a rolling spreadsheet. I update it generally every few months, but the beginning of the year, I absolutely do that. Um, Almost like Ned Flanders, um, January 1st is pretty much when I tend to do that. I'm not a big party guy on New Year's Eve, so I have no problem getting up and just doing some of that stuff. Sometimes I'll actually do it during New Year's while we're watching the ball drop. I'm not a big party guy. So this way I know where we stand and we're good and ready to go. That, that's one of the things I'll do. And then the other thing I do, it's less of a ritual, but it is something I think everyone should really do, you know, probably at least every couple of years. And that's review 
some of those bigger bills or things you get, and specifically insurance. So looking at your auto policy, your homeowner's policy. You know, I keep looking, and every year the bills keep going up on them. You know, it frustrates me. Uh, Obviously, inflation goes up, um, so the cost of rebuilding the property would go up if something catastrophic were to happen. But I still do look at that. And I filled out one of the forms online for, you know, a couple of places. Or I think I did, I usually like to do three places to get a a feel for the market as to what they're looking to charge. And they, they were somewhat consistent, actually. Uh, and they were sort of in line with what I was paying. And then I got a phone call yesterday afternoon. And the guy's like, hey, I'm calling from company XYZ. You know, I see you filled out the form online for an insurance quote. For your home um i said yeah but you know the rate was really not that different it's like yeah the rates online are different than when we call and work with you like why would you do that why why would such a large large company have such a disparate rate and when i say disparate i mean it was a 50 percent difference paul hmm. by talking to the local broker um Okay, so I talked to him. He sent me over the quote. He's like, so let me know what you're thinking. I'm like, I, I said, um, I, I have to think about it. I'm not going to do it right now. i got to look at yours, your numbers, and I go line item by line item, compare the coverage, dollar for dollar, of what what the coverage is. To is make this sure. for auto, home, or life? What this was for home. This is okay. for home. Um, and we, we're actually going to have a insurance expert on in the near future. So, yes, and he'll probably awesome. get into this. So it'll be really good. He's a buddy of mine from high school and, you know, I've actually used him for years and he holds my current policy through his company, I should say. So I sent him this quote from the other company. I said, Hey, look at this compared to what I'm paying through you via this other place, whatever. And, uh, he said, let me get back to you came back to me and said, all right, we could do this, this, and this, and move it to this place, and we can match it. Oh, wow. So I literally saved about $1,000 on my homeowner's policy by doing this, Paul. So it took me 10 minutes online, then maybe a 15-minute phone call with a different carrier to get everything set, got the quote, and then I sent it to my buddy, and... It's a huge savings. Now, had I not done that, I look at that as literally giving money away to people. Now, I still have to go through and do a line-by-line comparison, but from my initial two glances at it, it looks spot on. Spot. No, that's great. I mean, I think the only, the only, you know, I'm going to, for me, I had two experiences similar, but they didn't go so well. So the first one was for life insurance. At one point, I went to one of the aggregators online where you put in, you know, your, you you put in your your name, your telephone number, your email, and you say, Hey, I'm looking for whole life, right? Or I'm looking for term life, whatever it is. Right. And, and quickly I'm talking within seconds, my phone and email blew up. Like I felt like I, I don't know. People might not know the, the the Godfather Part One, but when they, when when the when the brother is at the toll booth and he gets out of the car and they shoot him with the Tommy guns, that's what I felt like by all these different providers. Like I got crushed from the weight of like 
inundated with response, which I'm appreciative of, but it was really massive. In fact, I, but I had to, I had to turn it off. Like, I, like it, it, I got blitzed and then I told everybody not interested, not interested. Don't call me. Don't call me. Don't, it, it just was out of control. Right. And it took about a few days to kind of get myself out of that situation. <laughs> this was a yeah. while ago. Um, but the second piece was, I had something similar many years ago when I first moved into the house, Paul, I had a, an insurance carrier, um, uh, that was great. And I switched because of price to another carrier in 18 months later with the new carrier, they dropped me completely because they, they said that I was in a flood zone, hmm. which I'm not. Um, and, and it was interesting and they just dropped me and I had to scramble to get another policy. So I had, I actually went to a third provider and we've been with them ever since. And I've been sort of shell-shocked to not change from that experience, if that makes sense. So I'm not trying to tell people not to do what you did, but there's always something that could, you know me, Paul, there's always something that could go wrong and it seems to happen to me. Um, that's what happened to me, where I went to go get a better deal. And then in the end, the rug got pulled out from underneath me. And then funny thing was like three years after I got the new policy, that same company that dropped me started soliciting to me again. (laughs) And I was like, and I, and someone called and I, I, I really didn't want to go crazy, but I said, I said, I'm going to say this as, 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 as nicely as possible. Cause I know you weren't part of this. I said, your company dropped me three years ago, flat. And I had to scramble to go get another another carrier. I'm not doing that again. And and that was it. And, and there was really no leg to stand on. I think there was a little bit of backpedaling to say, well, you know, but I think the person got it and we just, you know, we just let it go. But I wasn't vicious or, you know, uh, air horn into the phone or anything like that that you see online. But it was really upsetting. But, Paul, I'm glad yours worked out. And you have a, you have a different situation here. You have a broker in between. You have somebody, you have a trusted advisor that's helping you with your insurance. He wouldn't, I get that. So I never had that from a home policy perspective. I've always kind of used, you know, I've used, just used, gone to directly to people. So maybe that's a tip that if you're looking for whether it's life or home insurance or um, uh, um, auto insurance, maybe getting a broker that can handle all your needs makes sense. Is that what you do, Paul? Do you have, does that one person just cover home or does he cover everything else for you? He, he used to cover everything for me. I have switched some things around occasionally. And, you know, putting it that way, Paul, it's interesting because, you know, the broker can really help you. It's someone you can go to and ask the questions that, well, what if this? So, for example, back in August, there was a really bad storm, just a regular storm or whatever here on Long Island. And it hit a lot of the area, but there were a lot of homes that had a lot of flooding in the basement. So to your point about flood insurance, right? Most people don't have that, but you can talk to a broker a little bit easier and say, Hey, what happens if there's a big storm and water comes in through the basement windows? Oh, for that, you want this type of coverage or for if you have a, a dog, maybe you want to consider the dog bite insurance or a rider. I didn't know there was such a thing till a few months ago, but there is. So, you know, having that that broker, that agency that you can work with, I, I found helpful. Generally, I've never found them to be that much more expensive 
It's just how it's written. And they'll also help you. So in your situation, when you lost coverage, right, you, hopefully you wouldn't lose it with a broker, but if something were to happen, they'd help you find something. And actually, that's something similar did happen here, Paul. Many, many years ago, I was with one of the larger carriers for the homeowner, and they dropped me as well. But they dropped me not because I'm in a flood zone. They dropped the area and not just my house. They said we are no longer underwriting in this area because they were worried about large storms. So because yeah. of that, he's like, okay, fine. And he went through this other place and he got me coverage, which has been great. Never had a problem with them. In fact, when yeah. I was refinancing, how to get them involved and it was seamless. They were great. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's that that's great. I mean, I think now that I look back, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it wasn't that I was in a flood zone. Maybe it was because they didn't they didn't want to underwrite the risk, right, in my area. It, 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 maybe it was even that benign where they just said, eh, we don't want to do this anymore. So go get sorry, but go get other insurance, right? Um, so I, I could see that happening. So I, I have a uh I've used the same uh, my auto insurance, I use one 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 uh carrier, one auto broker or one insurance broker. And I've stuck with that person, um, since 16, I think 17, 18. So it's, it's always worked out well. There's, there's certain things I leave well enough alone for myself, but I totally get kind of the shopping around, especially for different services and stuff like that. I totally understand it. There's some things in my life. And once again, do as I, I don't want to say do as I say, not as I do, uh, if that's the right terminology, but there's some things that, um, my advice is not really advice, but it's my personal opinion. So there's certain things that I, I stick with and, and and certain relationships when it comes to that kind of stuff where um, the money's not as big a factor as the relationship and the service and the capability that I derive from it, if that makes sense. So, so for me, um, some of these things, yes, that are commoditized, I will definitely... And I think it's very smart advice, Paul, to 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 look at this stuff um, and go through it on a regular basis. Um, but some things I've I've in my own mind I just leave alone <laughs> because they're working and I don't want to touch them. Right? Yep. <laughs> like the like the the car you know, the, the the wheel is spinning and I don't want to stop it. Right? And and I learned that lesson long ago with my home insurance. Um, and and some of this stuff I just kind of let be. And although I did do that with life insurance. So I did, I did do a, a full change on life insurance, but I didn't switch carriers. Um, but I did switch, uh, agents and I switched policies and, and that worked out well. And I think I talked about that in a life insurance episode many, many, many moons ago with Jody. Um, and I told that whole story on, on my life insurance, uh, uh debacle. Um, but, but you know, it's, it, and once again, it's a unique, business case I or a unique use case. I don't want to sound like the next door folks, right? Because I could tell you what you prompted with the flooding. I went on to next door after the floods. There were headlines of people that were bashing insurance companies because they wouldn't they wouldn't pay for f- their flood damage. And I'm like, you you gotta read. Well yeah, people think, okay, I'm homeowner. Like policy. you gotta I'm, read. I'm I'm covered. You know? yeah, they, yeah. They don't realize what what are you really covered for? You know, yeah. and you know, they they actually uh, I, I hate saying this, but you know I, I don't want to give them too too much credit, right? But they they have to, and they lay it out line item by line item what your coverage is, what your deductible is. Okay, for hurricanes is a different deductible percentage. For this is this, it's all spelled out. 
and generally most of everything you really need to capture and process is on that front page where it's all laid Absolutely. out. It's all right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just people don't take the, the few minutes to read it. And, and I would actually challenge that almost. I, they don't take the time to even understand it. So how about this? When we have our insurance expert on, I actually have a list of questions for him that we're going to go through, and I'll give them to them. Some of them I'll give them to him early, like, you know, renter's insurance versus homeowners versus. But some of these little line items, I think it would be great to have the policy in front and walk through it. And what does this mean? What does this mean? And, and maybe that will help people here, some of our listeners, understand it better. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, and it's funny, you reminded me of a sh- of a short story where people don't read. I was online to buy something at a at a Bed Bath & Beyond. That's that's a chain up by us. Um, I mean, it's a, I think it's a nationwide chain, but they're closing the store by us. Paul, I, I was online and I'm witnessing this guy at the counter returning a suitcase. And there couldn't be more signs in the store that said all sales are final, no returns. Right. And the guy I'm hearing this guy berating and arguing with the manager how he just bought this yesterday. It's too big and he needs to return it. And 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 the the manager is patiently showing the gentleman, you know, on the receipt highlighted in yellow because they physically highlighted in yellow. No returns. Final sale. There's signs hanging above his head. There's signs on the front door. The only thing missing was the staff should have had hats that said, and I don't even think that would have helped, but I know I'm on a rant today, Paul, but this kind of goes back to, you have to read, right? You have to read this stuff and it's great advice. And I think you're doing the right thing when you go through these pieces um, to kind of, to, to, to dig into the details and, and, and to go through these pieces. And maybe what we'll do is start to jump into a new year's checklist of sorts, right? So I had posted and we post this all on the Facebook page. Um, this first list is from uh, Merrill Lynch. Um, it's um, a 2022 new year's financial checklist. And there's, there's basically 10 different things they talk about. And I'm just going to read them out, Paul, and then we'll dig into them. Um, look, and you just said, you know, look at life changes, overall financial plan updates, uh, emergency fund review, uh, insurance policies and coverage, Right. Um, outstanding loans and credit, um, gifts to heirs and charities, uh, estate planning and associated legal documents, and tax changes that may impact you, plus key retirement dates and milestones, and retirement income plan. Um, so, Paul, I know you had a chance to glance at this list. I, I don't know if we go into each one or go into all, or maybe we just cherry pick the highlights. We kind of talked about insurance in depth. Um, maybe talk a little bit about life changes, because um, I think that's interesting. Sure, but I think there's also one I want to add to the list, Paul. Perfect. Yes. So, yeah, do you want, do you want to do life changes, or do you want me to add? No, to the no, list? add to the list. Let's <laughs> let's let's dig around. So, uh, my other one, I think we talked about this a year ago or so, and that is looking at all your subscription services that you have and evaluating them. So, whether it be your cable TV subscription service, well, how much of it are you really watching that's live versus streaming? That's one thing. So, so maybe you don't need that part. You know, you have the triple play. So you have cable TV, you have the internet, and you have the telephone. Okay. So we took our home phone, we moved that to a mobile device, and we got we dropped the traditional telephone line. We, anytime it rang, we intentionally would let it go to voicemail. 
because we just we knew we weren't going to answer it unless we saw it was one of our parents. We took our main line, we moved it to someone, and um, one of our family cell phones, and that's it. So, and by doing that, and I really encourage people to do that because you you don't understand sometimes some of these little subscription services that just eat away. Oh, it's only this amount a month, but say it's five dollars a month. There was one plan I just canceled um, beginning of December that I had for a little while. Five dollars a month, five dollars a month. All right, now I'm sixty bucks a year. So I just am I getting sixty dollars worth of value out of that service? No. There were a couple of reasons why I signed up for that service for a very point in time, and then I just terminated that after, you know, I probably let it go two extra months longer than I should have. So subscription services would be um, one of my key ads to this list. Absolutely. And and once again, do as we say, not as Paul Fagan does. Um, I, I'm guilty of not doing enough of that. Um, I still have my, my copper line. Um, oh, coming my into the house. Um, we still have that. Um, and definitely there are definitely subscriptions that if I really look hard enough at, um, I should, I should review, but then, um, what'll, what'll tend to happen is I probably will use that soon or I use it in, I use it just frequently enough to not have me cancel. If that makes sense, whether it's a streaming service or, um, something along those lines. Um, I, I, in one of the financial, when we flip to the financial resolutions, we talk about health. I, I don't typically drop those subscriptions, whether they're related to health or fitness. I keep those. I, I do use them on a regular basis. I, I wish I used them more frequently, but I do hold on to all those. Uh, I don't personally believe in skimping on on that type of stuff uh, when it comes to health. Um, I kind of came to that realization a long time ago. But Paul, totally agree with you, right? If I look at my my credit card statement, we have a joint credit card and I look through there, I could probably cherry pick and look at the, the different uh, services that we have and probably could sharpen the pencil on some of them. Uh, and I think it's a great, it's, it's great advice, right? So I think people should do that. I, I don't know. I'm probably going to be guilty of not doing that too much, but, um, that's just me. Once again, it's, it's all kind of personal with this stuff, right? So, um, is there any other highlights in here, Paul, from the 2000, you know, cause people could read this as well, kind of reading through the list. Is there anything that jumps out at you that you kind of want to dig into? Well, again, there, there's, I think, number three and number five mean, mean a lot to me, and that's the emergency mm-hmm. fund. We've talked about that a lot in the past, uh, making sure <clears throat> making sure you have that fund. And they say three to six months of expenses here. Um, personally, I, I'm, I'm much more on the conservative side of that, especially in light of if you look at the past two years and how many people were out of work for so long. And, and everything, just having that emergency fund is, is really, really critical. And then, as I said, number five, outstanding loans and credits. Rates right now are still super low on a lot of things, so you could sometimes shift things around to get a better rate and lower your overall debt. You still need to read the fine print, understand what you're doing there. But looking at that and evaluating that, sometimes it could pay to consolidate things down into something and get a better rate. But people make New Year's resolutions to try and improve themselves and their life. And financial stability isn't just about finance. It helps you healthy 
It helps your mental well-being. It helps so much. So taking a list like this and going through it and getting your life in order can just have such a snowball effect and improve so many other things. I mean, that that's a great call out, Paul. And I think it's a great transition into another article that we're kind of working from. And we've posted these is from Wallet Hub, 10 financial resolutions for 20, 2022. And we could jump back and forth, but um, I thought these were great. I thought this was a great article. So they talk about make a realistic budget and stick to it. Pay bills right after payday. Add a month to your emergency fund. Separate, uh, separate uh, everyday purchases from debt pay off credit card debt, get an A in wallet literacy, which I guess is their plug for their learning. But I get it. You could listen to Financial Dads, and I think you can get sort of the same thing. Um, monitor your credit report. Uh, get insured for a catastrophe, which we talked a little bit out up front about the flood insurance. Um, focus on your physical health and look for a better job. So these were, I thought they were a great list of, of, of ones that jumped out at me. I think what I liked about some of these was, I love the one, add a month to your emergency fund. So if you have six months now, make it seven. If you have a year, make it, you know, uh, 13 months, right? I love that incremental approach, kind of the slow and steady and bite-sized uh, smart goals, right? Where they're measurable, they're, they're realistic, all those different things. Um, the other thing that I think jumps out at me um, here is pay bills right after payday. Um this is something I don't know if we've talked about, Paul. My methodology, and I've had arguments on this. Um, I remember growing up, my parents would have like bill night. <laughs> like, and mm -hmm. I know when things are different. No, no, we did. They would yeah. sit and they would, you know, and, and, and there'd be some laughing, there'd be some crying, there'd be some stuff flying around the room. But at the end of the night, the bills got paid, right? And, and that was kind of something that was a ritual in my house growing up. And I sort of remember. Um, for me, I've had this argument with people. Um, not really an argument, but uh, my opinion on it is I, I try to build enough money in my home checking account to have float. So when the bills come in, I actually don't pay them right after payday. I pay them almost in real time. I get an email notification that the bill is ready. I go click on it. I pay it. Um, I get bills in the mail. I open them up. I check them. I, you know, and I go in and I pay it. Right. So I sort of pay things in real time and I've been thankful and grateful because a lot of people can't do this. I get it. Totally get it. But I'm thankful and grateful that I've been able to build enough money in the family checking account to give us buffer, to give us breathing room. So that's how I do it. So I would suggest that if you can pay your bills, you know, in real time. If you can't, that's okay. Everyone's got a different mechanism, different lever with this. But that's the other thing that stood out to me, Paul. What were some of the highlights that you read from here that you'd want to kind of dig into? So let's go back to that one. <clears throat> Paying them in real time or near real time and, and float. <clears throat> yes, I'm happy, grateful for the float. But the reason why I also have float is because I try and stay within my means. Okay? So if you can stay within your means, you're more likely to be able to do that. Um, I don't pay them as they come in. I don't pay them when I get paid. Uh, I pay them on generally the day before they're due because um, most of them are electronic. If it is a check that goes out, I try and have it arrive to that place approximately 
three to five business days prior to the due date to allow for additional coverage with the United States Postal Service. Um, so that's how I do it. But again, if, if you can live within your means, then the float helps solve itself, Paul, and then mm-hmm. you, you're, you're better off. Now, I'm not saying everyone can, and it might take a while to get to that spot to fix up your credit cards and, and things like that. The other one I, I thought was interesting here, and, and I sort of take almost a little opinion with it, and that's look for a better job. And I, I guess, you know, to make it fit in this nice little picture, that's how they worded it. But that better job doesn't have to be external, right? If you're working for a large organization, it could be internal. It, it could be just maybe chatting with a manager or something. So you don't have to make major, major life changes sometimes to get a better job. You can just talk and do things internally or, or something like that. Again, if you're with a larger organization, that's easier. If you're, you know, doing something in, you know, a smaller company or maybe restaurant type thing, okay, I understand. That's a little different. So th- th- those are two of the things there. But some of these we, we've talked about a lot, you know, financial literacy, paying off credit card debt, absolutely. Yeah, and one of the things that I focused on, I think, once again, I'm going to plug our own podcast. We did a, a whole episode, I think, around physical health, right, and personal well-being being, and how that ties to financial. Um, that's a big one for me, um, and I always joke about it because for many years, um, and this is the running joke with with another friend of mine, um, where, you know, January, February, there's this explosion of people in the gym right? There's like all these new faces that you've never seen before. And, and when I first experienced that phenomena, my buddy told me, oh yeah, that's all the resolutioners. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, yeah, like January and then part of February, usually it tails off by the third week of February, the gym goes back to normal. But like that first January, like you go from, you know, December or November and the gym is fine, normal. And then January comes and you can't get a piece of equipment in a timely manner because everyone's on them, right? You see all these new people and, and which is good, but, but what, and this has happened every year, Paul, since I've noticed, I've noticed this phenomenon since 2011 every year. So for 10 years now, I guess, yeah, almost 10, 11 years. It's, it's, um, it's the same thing every, every January. And it happened to me last week. I was, I was at a class that is typically uh, a handful of people and it was at least four times more than normal because it was January. <laughs> it was January. So I think that's interesting, but focus on, on physical health is, I think is key. And in here, the other thing, which I know you're a big fan of Paul is monitoring your credit. And we have a whole episode where we talk about that, but that's something that I know is near and dear to your heart and it makes a lot of sense. And and listen back on that episode because really Paul drove that episode, not this Paul, the other Paul, you'll have to figure out which (laughs) Paul did it when you look back at the episode, but monitoring your credit report is so important. I got some tips from there. This Paul got tips from the other Paul. No, so I'm not going to confuse everybody, but listen back (laughs) on the episode. Uh, it's great, right? So Paul, what's your take when it comes to monitoring your credit report? I do it four times a year. I use the oh free creditreport.com and I you take advantage of the free and I rotate it every three, three, you get three reports a year for free. I do a report every four months. That's how I do mine, but I know you use a, a service for this. Um, but maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. I, I still use the, uh, credit karma app. 
It's free. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I since that episode, Paul, I, I realized how obsessive I was with my credit report. I used to check it <clears throat> every few days on that app. Okay, um, so I've cut it back. I, I'm probably generally down to about once a week. I check it, and uh, here's here's the interesting story. As you know, we, we talked about it in some previous podcasts. I, I refinanced the, the home. And after I refinance it, there's a gap of reporting on your credit report. So it shows the house paid off. And then a month later, it'll come back on as a new loan. What's crazy is when the house came off my credit report, we're talking hundreds, right? Hundreds of thousands because it's, you know, it's a refinance. My credit report went up. By about a point. One point. Now, when the new loan came on, it dropped by 19 points. 19 points. So, and it's so frustrating to me because my credit score hasn't been this low in, I I can't tell you how many years, 15 years. You know, uh, I'm at, you know... I keep a pretty good credit score, so it's very high, and it's still in the excellent range by based on their meters, but it still frustrates me that it dropped by that many points. So that, that that's why I watch it, because what happens is, so now it dropped. Okay, I guarantee you that dropped is probably why some of the online insurance quotes I was getting were still in line with what I was paying annually anyway. Because usually they try and get you, they get you a better rate, and then they bump you up after, you know, a little bit more every year, every year to get it back up to normal. And I guarantee you that because my credit credit score had dropped, that that's why. Now, go ahead, Paul. That is amazing. That is amazing. I mean, the one thing that comes to mind is it's funny how listening back to the podcast, you kind of took the advice differently. It kind of influenced you. And I, that happens to me too, right? I'll listen back. And I, I want to let everyone know, I, I, I know you do this, Paul. I do this. I listen. We listen back to the, we, we're our own audience when it comes to this podcast, right? So I have a ritual when I finish the podcast that following week, uh, usually right away, but usually within that following week, it, it, I listen to the podcast back when I'm at the gym, right? It's, it's typically a 40 to 50 minute podcast and I listen back and I'm listening f- and I'm, I'm self-critical and I'm listening back for all kinds of different things. Paul will get all kinds of crazy texts from me talking about, you know, audio levels or we're talking about content or that was a really great guest or next time we should do this. So we're, we, we get passionate about this. Right. So just let you know, we, we just don't put it out there and not listen back. Right. So we are listening to the podcast. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, what you're talking about when it comes to the credit score. And I think we talked about it on the podcast that we did the entire episode on. My whole concern was always, I always do it at the macro level. And and I think for this, you were at the micro level at one point. Now you've kind of backed off the micro level. But at the macro level, I always knew like my credit was always decent, right? So if I needed to get a car, if I needed to finance something, I never had a problem. And that's kind of where I left it. But to your point, these little nuances that take place, I notice them. Uh, Like my wife has a better credit score than me. And I think that's because she's the primary holder of the joint credit card we use in the household. Mm -hmm. I think that has something to do with it. Even though I'm on it, I'm the second line item, but she's the first line item, right? 
hers is higher than me, right? And and everything is sort of equal, right? Because we don't have any car debt. We don't have any house debt, right? Thankful, grateful, once again, not saying that braggingly, we just don't have it. So the only thing that really differentiates us really is, is she the smarter? joint credit card. Or she's smarter. Is that? She's smarter than you. Well, she's always smarter than me. That's always well, been the case. Yeah, okay. But, as long as we all know that. Um, that. That's a given. Everyone who knows us, that's that's definitely the case. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really amazing to me how those little nuances will take place. But that's that. I do you find you find it to, that you're healthier with not looking at it every day, Paul. Or uh, I do find it better. Um, okay. But because of that drop, I went back. I check it all the time again now. Oh, okay. okay, 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 I get it. Because I'm trying to see what be... tweaks it to get it back up. So I'm, I'm trying to learn from it because no one, none of the credit agencies, again, if you listen to that episode, reveal their true formula. So Yeah, it's all secret sauce right. that they have, right? And And I think I used to be that obsessive about the family financial spreadsheet. And, and I think we had an episode on this too. I'm trying to think back. Um, I have a dashboard that I learned to build and I mimicked after a dear friend of mine. Um, I saw how he did it and I built something similar and it's got about 15 different tabs in it. And the main tab is the entry data. So I log in to different websites and I will enter the amounts into that first tab. And then it just cascades all the calculations through the rest of the spreadsheet, right? So I have similar to what you had, Paul, that you talked about, kind of the financial net worth. I have a tab in there. There, uh, Susie Orman, uh, the financial personality, used to have um, a segment on her show called What Am I Doing? My, our family, uh, that tab in the spreadsheet is exactly mimicked after her how am I doing segment? Because she used to have kind of bring up on the screen, here are your assets, here are your liabilities, here's this, that. And it's very simple, very dashboard look. Uh, but I used to do this spreadsheet weekly. I used to be it in daily. It used to be like a safety blanket for me, Paul. I, I kind of would refer to it in my own mind as a, um, you know, kind of um, my control panel right? For my financials, I thought of it as like air traffic control. I've, it, it just was something that I'm very comforted in. I still am. I don't do it as much as I used to. And I don't know if that's because maybe psychologically, subliminally, I'm not doing it because of the podcast. Maybe I convinced myself to back off that too. So maybe we're getting some good out of here from a uh, mental health perspective, Paul, although you said you're back to it. So uh, uh, I, 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 I'm kind of back to it. Just to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just no, there's nothing bit. wrong. It's all joking here, right? Like, but I think that uh, that was my uh, obsession, or or maybe obsession is too strong. But that was kind of my. I was always in the financial dashboard, um, and and I would always kind of. Uh, and Jody always asked for a copy of it, and the only reason I haven't sent it out is because I don't know if you ever saw that movie, A Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Uh, with the professor. And, and like my my financial spreadsheet, like there's one tab in there and it kind of looks like those walls when he's writing on everything. Like I have all these little widgets in there that calculate retirement. And if I had to sell my house today, how much would I make on it? And and what the retirement would look like, what my, you know, what, what different... Um, I had all these different calculations in there. I had a Dave Ramsey calculator to see where I was on the Dave Ramsey baby steps. Um, I had all those things in there. And then um, at this point, I'm only in there. 
maybe once a month. And I, 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 you know, and I'll, I'll be, you know, a truth and transparency. So when did I touch it last? I modified it last December 16th. Okay. And it's January 8th, right? So I, I think if I had to look back, I'm probably looking at it once a month, once every six weeks. I'm not as crazed about it as I used to be. And I used to be very crazed about it. So, um, you know, uh, I know we're, we got way off topic, Paul. Sorry about that. Um, no, it's I, I all think good. that, uh, <laughs> you know, the one last thing I'll kind of add, you know, the one of the 10 financial resolutions for 2022 that called out to me, everything in here made sense to me. But one was interesting to me, and that was the separate everyday purchases from debt. I see that. Um, I, I could see that as being something that could be very – the words that come to mind are, are in theory, it's a great idea. In practice, for me, in my own household, be a nightmare. We depend on the, on the family credit card. My wife runs to the drugstore. She puts it on there. I go to the grocery store, buy groceries, I put it on there. We got kids – Activity, we put it on there. We got home, you know, uh, phone bill, put it on. Like everything goes through that credit card. That is the hub, right? That is the one thing that kind of keeps everything together. And if you look at our monthly expenditures, the credit card, the joint account is the biggest bill. But I will emphasize, and we've talked about this in exhaustive detail, um, that gets paid every month. Period. End of story. Right. We pay it every month. Right. And so we see it as a regular bill. It's not seen as debt, but it's seen as just another bill in the pile, as would be the electric bill or the cable bill or auto insurance bill. So, Paul, I'm interested in your take on that. I, I kind of do it the same way, Paul, you know, as you do. No, no different. By the way, while we were sitting here talking, I did check my credit report again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's great. And I want to go back off topic. and. About, you know, your retirement spreadsheet. I, I think we all have something, right? And we, we, we build it out very much like a beautiful mind, like scribbling all over, but it makes sense to us and it may not make sense to someone else. I try and make it clear enough so uh, my wife can understand it. And just last night, Paul, instead of prepping more for the show, I was doing that. And what I was doing was, okay, if I sell my house today at this value, What's my, you know, how much equity do I have in a house, basically, is what I'm looking at. Okay, so if I take that, and then what if I was to take that equity and invest it over the next, say, five, seven years versus keeping this house? And depending on the numbers you use, it's interesting. It really depends on, okay, well, what do you expect your house value to go up with as a percentage and then, well, if you just take the equity out, so sell the house, may buy something cheaper, and keep the same mortgage is what I was thinking, and that investment rate at a different rate. So say the house value goes up at about 4% a year, and then the amount of money, if I just took it out and invested it, and say using the average, which the industry uses at around 7%, it was interesting. Over the seven years, it it was different, but not that that different. So, because um, something we were considering was, do we sell this or not, and things like that. So, I, I'm at a point now where I may not do anything, but doing the math and looking at it is what's so key. Yeah, and I think I think we got to save that. We talked about kind of doing investing buy versus rent episode, maybe selling the home invest episode. Um, I I th I think that. 
maybe that's we'll we'll, we'll save those for another episode because definitely I think that's very nuanced and very personal, and I think that is definitely not a one size fits all, and it's definitely each situation is almost like a tailored suit, and so I, I think that's something we should definitely dig into and kind of bring up in addition to our social media burst, right? We got to get the social media stuff going. But I think to kind of go through the summary recap, I think for me, um, the big thing that kind of jumped out at me for kind of New Year's resolution or New Year's, um, uh, you know, uh, checklist, um, make sure you have the emergency fund in place. I think that's the one that jumps out at me and I'll kind of leave it at that. Paul, what was your recap for today? Anything that you want to leave the audience with? Again, the typical thing of save and, and understand your bills. That's my big thing. Understand your bills and look at them. That's what I would love uh, for the New Year stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Paul, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, Managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.